Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Again, welcome to Story Church. My name is Jeremy, and um, I'm so glad that you are with us this morning or watching online at home or listening to the podcast this week. Um, It's a pleasure. This winter, we've been looking at um, this sermon series called From Death to Life. And in this series, we have been looking at the different, uh, you could say, steps um, that have occurred to us in our salvation. So when we talk about being saved, uh, in general, we could talk about that being a process or uh, being transferred from a state of dead in our sins to being alive in Christ. And each of these weeks, we've looked at various steps along the way of that process. And last week, I mentioned that the first three weeks were laying the foundation laying the prerequisites that we had to receive in order uh, to receive this grace of salvation. So we looked at how God has chosen us from before the foundation of the world. We looked at how God has called us to himself and that he has given us a new heart. And all of those were the prerequisites for what we talked about last week, which was responding to God in faith, placing our hope in Jesus. And now, uh, everything else that we'll talk about today and the next four weeks, we receive as a blessing through our faith. Um, We place our faith in Jesus, and then we receive these spiritual blessings that he has accomplished for us. So the next four weeks are what we have received in Christ through faith. And today we're looking at the first of those, and we're looking at the blessing of justification. And we just sang that song, um, by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. We're going to talk about what does that mean for us? What does it mean to be justified? And so we're going to look at Romans chapter 3, beginning actually in in verse 21. I'm going to back up a little bit than what's in the bulletin. And if you are using a a red Bible in the seat in front of you, um, it's on page 548. And if you don't have a Bible at home, uh, this is our gift to you. Take that with you so that you have the Word of God with you. All right, Romans chapter 3, um, verses 21 through 26. The Apostle Paul writes this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful word. 
Lord, that you have given to us. You have revealed your word to us so that in it we might find life in your Son, the one from whom and in whom we are justified. We pray now through your Spirit. You would open up our hearts and our eyes, that you would comfort us with your word and convict us with your word, Lord, and point us again and again to your Son. In his name we pray, amen. All right, so we're looking at justification, and if you want to take notes or mentally follow along with where we're going, um, there are three points we're going to look at. First, justification is something that we do. Uh, Second, justification is something that we need. And finally, justification is something that we receive. So justification is something that we do, something that we need, and something that we receive. So first... Justification is something that we do, and this word justify, um, uh, to justify someone is to declare that that person is just, that that person is righteous, and it it comes to us from the world of the courts, um, where someone is brought before a judge, and they are accused of a crime, Uh, But there is evidence brought uh, in favor of the person accused, and um, it is determined and found out that this person did not, in fact, do the crime. And so the judge declares, you are just. You are not guilty. You are just. That's the word to justify. And you can see in that picture that to be declared just uh, is there's a relationship component. The judge says, you are right standing before the law. That you are standing right before the law. You are righteous. In fact, the word righteous and just are actually the same words in the Greek. And so for a judge to say you are righteous before the law, it's a reconciliation of a relationship. It's a relational term. It's a term that says... uh, You are accepted, you are approved, you are welcomed. And this is something that we do all the time. We justify ourselves with our neighbors and our friends and our family and the world around us. This is just something that we do. We do things in order to be accepted or approved or welcomed by others. Um, and, And we do things and we worry Am I going to do the right thing and therefore be accepted? Uh, so we're celebrating a baby shower in a couple weeks because our due date is fast approaching. And um, this is our third child, and we, we think that we have figured it all out by now. And, uh, but it, it dawned on me the other day that this is happening quick. And I uh, started panicking, like, all right, do we have everything in order? Are we, you know, we going to be able to... I, don't, I began to worry, are we going to be able to do it the right way again? And in the last five years or so, I have learned that um, to raise a child is a lot more complex than I previously thought before I had kids. Uh, there's a lot of sort of ways to raise a child that a lot of people have strong opinions on. You know, over five years ago, I had no idea that these existed, but we had a kid, and then the questions came, are, are you going to do you know, cloth diapers or disposable diapers? Are you going to breastfeed exclusively or bottle mix? Are you going to do formula? 
then the questions were like, hey, are you going to send your kid to public school or private school or, or home school? Uh, are you going to let your kids do extracurricular activities or join clubs or scouts or stay at home? Like, there's all these options that you have, and, and as, for as many options as there are, there are uh, books and blogs and Instagram accounts that try to persuade you what is the best and right way to raise your kid. And so we quickly found out like, how we raised our kid was going to determine what groups of parents or Facebook groups we could be welcomed into. There's this desire to parent in such a way that our parenting will be approved by others or accepted by others. And it's this sense of self-justification. We behave in such a way in order to be justified. Uh, and we can feel it in kind of lesser degrees. Uh, have you ever been to a country club or a restaurant that was really fancy and there was a dress code, but you didn't know there was a dress code? So you showed up and you were underdressed. Th that sort of happened to me uh, a couple months ago. I was having lunch with a friend in North Canton and I drove down there in, in basically something like this, which for me, this is normal, this is fine. And uh, he took us to the restaurant. I didn't know where we were going, but I could tell as soon as we got off of the main road and started like driving down the driveway to this restaurant through the winding path next to the country club that I was severely underdressed. And uh, we opened the door, got into the lobby, and I was right. I was the only person not wearing a suit jacket or a dress or a blazer or a bow tie. And I was severely underdressed. And thankfully, the wait was like an hour, and so we went down to like a Mexican restaurant down the street. So, but I felt in that moment that because of what I was wearing, that I would not have been accepted in that restaurant, that I didn't belong there, that I wasn't approved by them. We do this all the time. I, I think this is actually why social media and in particular, Instagram is so prolific and profuse in our culture. Because Instagram actually gives us the ability um, to curate what the world sees of you or thinks about you. Because you determine what picture is posted, you determine the, the filter, you determine the location, and, and you do that all because you want the likes of those around you. So you curate your self-image. You want people to approve you, and you get that validation of approval by every like that they give on your photo. Uh, I, I looked back, and I, I saw that on uh, May 14th, 2017, I, I made a strawberry tart and I rubbed the tart with an apricot glaze, and I positioned it in such a way that the light reflected off the window and off the glaze in such a way that the picture was perfect. But I only got 12 likes. And I thought, this was a wonderful picture. How did it only get 12 likes? I mean, compared to my Christmas tree photo from this year, that got 45 likes. And I thought there was more work that got put into the strawberry tart. Uh, and then three years ago, I, I posted another family picture with a Christmas tree, and that one got 63 likes. Like, what happened in three years that people weren't interested anymore in, in my pictures? 
You see, we, we post what we want to post because we want people to think about us a certain way. And yet, at the same time, we get so anxious, wondering why don't people like what I post? Why don't people like who I am portraying myself to be? You fear, am I accepted by my peers? Am I, am I welcomed? Am I good enough? What more do I have to do to win the approval of my followers? It's sort of this cycle. It feeds on our deepest desire to be welcomed and approved and accepted. This is self-justification. This is behaving in such a way so as to be accepted by others. And Paul, in Romans, he's not talking about being justified in the eyes of one another. He's talking about being justified in the eyes of God. He's writing to a group of Christians who, uh, at this time, their concern was, am I accepted by God? And these Christians had turned to the law. Think the Old Testament. It's summarized for us in the Ten Commandments. They thought, if I behave in accordance with the law, well, then God will approve of me. If I follow the law, if I follow the commandments, God will accept me. Their thinking was, if I obey, then I will be accepted. And the, the logic of their argument makes sense. If, if God is righteous and just, and if he is going to judge with righteousness and justice, then he is going to condemn the guilty He's going to acquit the righteous and just. Therefore, if I am righteous, and if I live in a just way, well, then God will acquit me. So I'm going to live my life in accordance with that law. I'm going to live my life in accordance with this righteousness. That's what they were thinking. This is something that we do. It's deep within us, this desire to be accepted. And Paul is going to reveal how troublesome that is. They were trying to self-justify themselves. This is something that we do. We justify ourselves. But secondly, we see in this passage that even though we try to justify ourselves, it doesn't work. And so we need a justification from someone else. To put it more precisely, we need to be justified by God because when we try to justify ourselves, it doesn't work. Let me explain. When we justify ourselves before God, we end up being proud. I mean, if, if the word justice is the same word as righteous or righteousness, to, to self-justify is to be self-righteous. And the one thing we know about self-righteousness, whether we see it in ourselves or see it in other people, is that it is followed up quickly by a sense of pride. But beneath pride, because pride is bad itself, but beneath that pride, there is something worse going on. Beneath that pride it is guilt and anxiety. Because if, if a proud person, if, if you're proud in your self-righteousness, um, for example, 
If I had donned a suit jacket at that restaurant and sat down and started eating that steak, I would have felt that my appearance did not accurately reflect who I was under that coat. I didn't belong there. And, and I, I would have felt a little guilty thinking, these people think they know who I am, but they don't know who I am. I know who I really am on the inside. And, and so beneath pride is the sense of guilt, that I am putting on an appearance for people, but I know deep within that that's actually not who I am. I know who I am. I'm far worse than what people think. But the other thing that pride ends up doing is it causes us to be anxious. Anxious because you're, you're left always having to keep up with that image. Always having to live up to that standard. And, and you're always anxious, have I done enough? Have I proven myself yet? The problem with self-justification is that it ends up, we end up being guilty or anxious. Guilty or anxious. In, in college, there is a season of my life in which um, the following pattern, daily pattern, transpired. On Thursday nights, I would attend the large campus Bible study. Sometimes I would lead that Bible study. And then Friday night, uh, I would hang out in my dorm room with my roommates and get drunk. And then Saturday, I'd go out and, and party and make bad decisions. And then Sunday morning, I'd wake up in a haze, I'd shower, put on my Sunday best, and then go to church with a hangover. And I kept this up. Thursday night Bible study, Sunday morning church. And as long as I did those, I could give off the appearance of being this holy Christian college student. But I felt this tremendous guilt on Sunday morning, sitting there in church, knowing full well that this outward appearance did not accurately reflect who I was on the inside. That I was deeply broken and sinful. And this duplicitous lifestyle left me feeling guilty before God. On the outside, I was doing what I thought would make me accepted before God, but I knew on the inside that I had sinned. I had kept on sinning, and who I really was was not acceptable to God. Self-justification results in feeling guilty, but it also, like I said, results in feeling anxious you know, like our social media decisions, wanting to curate what the world sees, we work hard at presenting our best selves to God and to one another, especially in the church. You know, we, we never want to be found to have transgressed his law, so we're careful to obey as much as we can. We, we grow anxious wondering, have I done enough for God? Have I proven myself yet? Have I loved God enough? Have I grown in maturity enough? Have I learned enough? Have I served God and one another enough? Have I won over his approval? So we're anxious because we don't know. 
We don't know if God looks at our life and hits the like button or not. The other way anxiety creeps in is when we have, when we have built our acceptance by God upon our moral behavior, and then we mess up or, or do something or say something that we know we shouldn't have. And then when we come to ourselves, when we wake up the next day, we wonder, how could God ever accept me now? Maybe he did before, but now after what I've done? But Paul is very clear in verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He's not mincing his words. He's clear and direct. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us, by you know what our confession said, by what we have done and by what we have left undone, We've sinned against God in our thoughts and our words and our deeds. We have fallen short of the glory of God, which is, which is Paul referring to the fact that we've all been created in the image of God to bear his glory, to live out his glory, to express his image and his name and his character. And yet we have all fallen short of that glory. But Paul isn't saying this to condemn us. Like he's not saying this to bring condemnation upon you, to make you feel worse about yourself. He's actually saying this to invite us to take hold of that truth, to acknowledge it, to say, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of God's glory. I've said before, and I'll say it again and again, the church is not supposed to be a country club of self-righteousness where you have to perform to be accepted. The church is to be a hospital for sinners who rally around the death of Christ. By his wounds, we are healed. That is what Paul is inviting us into to experience the, the sort of the burden being taken off of us when we admit what God has shown us is true, that we are sinners. This is the first step towards being justified. Look how Paul puts it. He, he goes from, you are a sinner, you have fallen short of the glory of God, and he goes right into this, and... You are justified by his grace as a gift. They go hand in hand. Look, this morning, you might be listening here, feeling as low as you've ever felt in your life. I don't know everything going on in your heart. Maybe you're feeling your sin and your guilt. Maybe you're conscious of having sinned against this blessing and knowledge that the Lord has revealed, thinking that there can be no hope for you. But but God has brought you this morning to hear these words. Yes, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace. I think what is just absolutely startling about this whole idea is that God, who is just, justifies the ungodly. Because friends, you and I sit here 
with that status. Apart from Christ, we are ungodly. And yet, God justifies the ungodly. So let's be real with one another. Let's, let's, let's be open about this reality. Let's stop trying to cover up and self-justify with one another. The, the deal still stands to grab a Panera gift card and meet together with someone in the church and share your testimony with them. Maybe use that as an opportunity to be vulnerable and real about what Scripture says is true of us. We have fallen short of the glory of God, and we are justified by grace. Friends, we need this justification. Left on our own, we self-justify, and that doesn't work. We end up guilty or anxious. We need something else. My third point shows us what we need. We need a justification that is received Paul says that this justification is, it is a gift of grace, that we receive it by faith. We have to receive this justification, and it's really the only thing that can help take care of both our guilt and our anxiety. This is the beauty of the gospel. It deals with our guilt of sin and our anxiety before God. First, justification, it removes our guilt because it offers to us Forgiveness of sins. Paul says in verse 24 that we are justified through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When Paul uses that word redemption, he's using a word that meant to, um, to purchase out of slavery. It was a word used in the ancient world where uh, an enslaved person either saved up money themselves or, or even their, um, their owner or someone else paid the price to set that person free from their slavery, to pay the, the debt against that person to redeem them. And this is the same word that God uses when he describes what he did to the Israelites in Egypt. He redeemed them out of slavery. Paul is saying that Jesus, specifically through his death, has paid a sin debt, the sin debt price against us, releasing us from slavery to sin, from the penalty of our sin, so that now before God, our record of sin has been wiped clean because Jesus gave his own life as a ransom. I heard uh, this illustration to, to clarify this point more, um, an illustration about a man who um, bought a Rolls-Royce car uh, to go on a, a journey, a vacation throughout Europe. And, and apparently there's this uh, myth or the, the reputation that Rolls-Royces are so well-built that they don't break down. And this man had bought this car because he was going to go from country to country, town to town, village to village, exploring the European countryside. And a few weeks into his journey in his car, the check engine light popped up. And so he was able to find the nearest mechanic. And unfortunately, this mechanic did not have the, uh, the tools and the skill set to repair the Rolls-Royce. And so they called headquarters in England and they explained the situation, 
And so Rolls-Royce actually dispatched two of their own mechanics and, and actually expedited it. Within six hours, they had journeyed to this uh, auto shop, and they began to fix the, the car. They brought with them the, the tools and the, the parts that they needed, and they set this man on his way so he could continue his vacation. And, and several weeks or months after he was done, the man realized these mechanics never charged me for the repair. And this man was an upright guy, and so he called the Rolls-Royce company and said, hey, here's the situation. I was, I was traveling, and it broke down, and you sent mechanics, and you fixed it, and actually, you never sent me a bill for the repair. And the man on the other end of the line said, you know, I, I think I understand, but sir, there's no bill to be sent to you. We have no record of any Rolls-Royce ever breaking down. This myth that Rolls-Royces never break down was because they had always just canceled the debt. Friends, if you have trusted in Jesus and have been justified by him, your record of sin is gone. Before the face of God, your sin is as far from you as the east is from the west. White, clean. That's why we need to be justified by God, because it takes away that guilt. Because it tells us your sin no longer is held against you. It has been forgiven. Someone else has paid for it already. But secondly, justification deals with our anxiety, our, our worry. Have I ever lived up enough to be approved by God? And he says this in verse 24 again, or 25, sorry, whom God put forward, he's talking about Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. That's a, that's a big, fancy word that, that means to have the wrath of God turned away. And it's a word, actually, that comes right out of the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the people of God would gather together at the, at the temple, the place where God's presence dwelled, and they would come and worship God at the temple. And once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would lead the people in worship and offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people to atone for their sins, to be reconciled back to God, to establish a right standing relationship again. And the way that the priest did it was he took a goat, a spotless and, and perfect goat, and he sacrificed and he took the blood of that goat into the temple, in behind the curtains, the most holy place where before him stood the Ark of the Covenant, the very place in which the Lord had revealed himself to his people. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant, there was something called the mercy seat. And the mercy seat, the priest would take the blood of the goat and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, purifying it and symbolizing that in that moment, our relationship with God had been atoned. The word mercy seat is a strange word. And in the Greek, it's hard to translate it. And so our translators have translated it as propitiation. 
What Paul is saying is that Jesus is our mercy seat. He is the place in which we have been reconciled back to the Father. He is the one in whom we have purification. And so what Paul is saying is that when we feel anxious, when we feel concerned, have I lived up to God's standard? Have I done enough to win his approval? Paul is saying, no, you haven't. But there is another who has in your place. He is given to you now as a mercy seat, the mercy seat, the place in which you can be brought back to God, to be reconciled to God. By his blood sprinkled upon you, you are presented as righteous before God. This takes away our anxiety because when we feel like we have not lived up to God's standard, we remember that there is someone else who lived up to his standard in our place. And when God declares us just, he is not only saying your sins are forgiven, he is saying Christ's righteousness is now yours. So that when you stand before me, I see you as righteous. I see you as just. Yes, you are a sinner, but you are a sinner justified through Christ. So this morning, if if you are listening and, and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, and maybe this morning you feel, uh, maybe for the first time, the sense of guilt that before this righteous judge, you do stand condemned. What is offered to you this morning is to place your faith in Jesus, and in him your sins are forgiven. Or maybe this morning you're listening and you are a Christian, but you've wrestled with doubts or concerns. You're anxious. Have I lived a life worthy of this calling? Have I lived in a way that upholds the standard that God has set in his word? Friends, for you, the answer is no, you have not, but there is someone else who did for you. Trust in him again. And if you're here this morning wondering, Jeremy, what do I take from this passage? I know that this is true. I I know I learned this in school. I learned this in church. For you, this, this is an invitation. Let us go deeper with one another and more honest with one another about where we really are with God. Let, let us admit to one another, man, I have sinned. I have fallen short of the glory of God. I need you to remind me that I've been justified in Christ. This is an invitation to grow deeper in our relationship with one another. Friends, this is what it means to be justified. That God looks at you, and although you are a sinner, you have been declared just through Jesus. Let's pray.